Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Hope you're all doing well, that you are successfully quarantining and or isolating. I know I am, and uh, getting most of my exercise these days via walks. I'm getting out to see nature, which is really interesting. I hope you're doing that too. It's a little bit related to that, that we have our episode today. But first, if you're new, this is a podcast all about how some of the most interesting or innovative brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic. And today, I'm on with Nature Box, and specifically their CEO, John Acapinti. Now, I don't interview many CEOs, so this was a privilege in that, but also it was good to know John's perspectives not only on values in brands, especially what happens when they start to take on capital, and that was really interesting, again, from that CEO perspective, as well as the personal connections uh, related to John, his family, and the product offerings and innovations that NatureBox is undergoing. Also, the transition from DTC to DTE, direct to employee, as a business was really interesting as a method of commerce, and we talk all about that. So I haven't had that too much on the show, in fact, never before, and hopefully it's something new that you learn too. Overall, it was just a really great conversation, and I can't wait to have you listen in. So sit back, maybe grab a snack, and listen in to our conversation with, from NatureBox, John Acapinti. All right, everybody, I am here with NatureBox today, specifically John Acapinti. John, thanks so much for joining the show. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I have a bunch of questions for you around NatureBox, what you're doing, the ways that you're adapting innovative, both in the product and the business model, especially given current circumstances. But for those who are completely unaware of what you are, could you start with a cursory explanation of what NatureBox is? Sure. We're a nationally known snack uh, company, a better for you clean ingredient snacks. Uh, we build all of our own snacks um, and we deliver direct to consumer. Uh, through either subscription boxes or people can order, you know, as they please. Uh, we also have some retail, you know, uh, footprint with Costco and a few others. And then a large portion of our business is corporate snacking. So we deliver snacks in bulk to micro kitchens across the country, big, big and small companies. And um, uh, corporate snacking is kind of a, you know, interesting uh, area for us. It's been one of the higher growth areas until recently, which we'll see the, with COVID. Yeah, definitely. Let, let's start there for just a second because and we were talking just before this about how businesses are adapting to this crisis, generally speaking. Um, for some people, it means to shut down a lot of investment, a lot of budget. Certainly with the corporate side uh, of this, you know, delivering snacks to a big business, and now that those big businesses aren't in office presences right now, it leaves a, a huge opportunity for, for you to pivot or to change something. So can you explain a little bit how you've been adapting in terms of uh, in terms of what you're doing with COVID? Yeah, it's it's actually been a, a, a totally wild ride in the last, I'd say, month, last uh, few weeks. Um, and super proud of my team, actually. So when the when the COVID things first started, we many of our customers were calling us up saying, listen, you know, we're concerned about like bulk snacks and just the sanity, the this sanitization of it. And so we were coming up with solutions around how we deliver those snacks and that, but pretty quickly the next week it became just stopping orders. People were not in the office. So the needs to outfit their micro kitchens with healthy snacks was just uh, dormant. And so we really shifted and I, I leaned on my e-commerce team and our direct to consumer side of our business. I said, what if we actually allowed them to shift their budgets and deliver remote snack, snack boxes directly to their employees? 
and provide that perk that is a generally a great perk at the office and bring it to the remote homes. So we got a, a number of our existing customers that were putting on pause, kind of shifting their budgets to delivering for their employees. And so that was, that was pretty amazing. But it, it took a lot of effort. It was pretty scary. Um, but thank goodness we had sort of an e-commerce and a corporate snacking side of our business. We were able to pivot really quickly within a week. For sure. I, it's funny. I've uh, never heard of a, a company even have to do this where they go DTC and, and might I say DTE. Uh, perhaps nobody's even thought about that before or had to. So a, r- a really interesting um, adaptation of what, of what you're doing. No, it's it's been uh, it's been really, really interesting. Even we're, we're landing new customers, really big customers that are interested in uh, supplying these snacks to their to their employees. And so. Um, uh, yeah, it's been it's been exciting, but uh, but also scary as we're seeing sort of like we're sailing a ship. Uh, you think about it like for sailors terms, they call it sailing into irons um, when you're sailing into the wind and you have like all of a sudden the boat stops. I look down and I have my customer service team basically answering email after email, bailing out the ship at the bottom the water. We're taking on water. Yep. But then if we pivot, we put up another sail. All of a sudden we're starting to sail again. It's pretty it's pretty, pretty uh, invigorating. Yeah, it's interesting. And almost, I guess it might serve as a, as a catalyst in some ways. And of course, while you're dumping the water out on one side, you may be finding a new wind here where some companies mm-hmm. are finding the opportunity to reach out and, and being compassionate to their employees. You know, being kind to being compassionate is so important right now in, in marketing, not only externally, but also what people are doing internally. I've heard it so many times that employees and, and just uh, the American workforce is going to come out of this on the other side, remembering how they're how their organizations, how their superiors, how their employers generally made them feel. And so if there's a vehicle to use NatureBox to help lighten the load or the burden of being at home all the time, uh, that's especially powerful. So I'm glad that I'm glad that's actually probably serving as a catalyst for you. Yeah, it's it's um, super interesting. So the the there's we're in Silicon Valley in California and some of these companies have the luxury of being able to really supply their their employees with some of these perks. Um, one of those, there's two like global tech companies, um, that are starting to pick up on this and the head of culinary, one of the companies was able to send a message out to their employees because the, basically the culinary teams in some of these big campuses are basically dormant. They're not doing anything. Their own employees are not working. So for them to be able to send a message out that says, has, we have a, you know, we have a solution for you. We're going to take care of you at home. I think it's meant a lot to a lot of employees, um, not everyone can do that, though. But but um, those that can, it's 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 a great way to engage. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk about you for a second, John, because when I uh, do the most basic of research, and anybody who listens to this show might do the most basic of research and be like, "Oh, who the heck is this guy?" Maybe they go over to your LinkedIn, something like that, just see what you're all about. What they're going to notice is a heck of a lot of experience over the last 20 years on boards of organizations. And now jumping to NatureBox as its CEO seems like a a change from a board member to an executive position. Of course, just having talked about this right before this, I I know the answer to this a little bit. But it has something to do with authenticity, actually. Would you mind explaining what drove you to be the CEO of NatureBox instead of continuing to serve on boards? Yeah, so so, uh, my background is I... I, uh, Grew up in Silicon Valley, was a tech executive. Uh, I was early at Netscape. And then in 99, I got into seed and early stage venture capital. So uh, I basically raised and invested about five different funds over 16 years. 
and served on many boards. So that's why my LinkedIn profile looks like that. And um, what's interesting is you, you learn after that many years and actually going through so many different cycles with so many startups, you recognize as soon as an entrepreneur or a startup company takes on venture capital, they kind of many times, nine times out of 10, will lose the sight of their own business model and sort of focusing on the venture capital's business model because there's a fiduciary responsibility to do a massive, you know, billion dollar exit to become the number one in the company. So it, it turns into a lot of bad behavior, a lot of bad uh, marketing spend to build brand, really not always listening to your customers and just, just, just the wrong sort of ethos and values of how to build a business. Many of those companies take on venture debt, um, get over their skis. And so I really saw an opportunity a few years ago to create a different fund that could actually come in and rescue some of these companies, hit the reset button and uh, build their authentic self. So NatureBox was a great example of that, where it was a company that had consumed six zero sixty million million of venture capital to acquire and build a brand, which it did, amazing brand, amazing products. Most of that money was spent on Facebook uh, ads to acquire customers and many direct-to-consumer customers. Um, when that whole process, though, failed and burn rates were too high, we were able to come in and acquire the company and and kind of step back and say, like, what is it that we're really doing? Like, what is um, what, what do our customers really care about? We found two things that were really interesting. The company had a corporate business that was sort of nascent. We said, that's a really interesting business, so corporate snacks. Um, I asked, we started doing MPS surveys religiously every single day, every, every month, um, uh, anytime a customer would order, we, we had 20, you know, our MPS is around 20 on our corporate customer today. It's over 80. Uh, it's just doing some basic blocking, tackling, listening to our customers and then responding. So we're really proud of that. And then we also started focusing on, on the consumer side, like what's, you know, what is the, the values of, of what we're building and as opposed to just treating our consumers as members that, you know, provide us subscription dollars every month, we're trying to pay attention to what they really cared about as well. And we've been building that as well. So bringing that ethos back, taking the pressure off to meet the VC's expectations, we really have kind of started to blossom. It's pretty exciting uh, to be able to do that. And for me, as someone that was on the sidelines in the stands, sort of in the boardroom for so many years, um, it's actually pretty invigorating for me personally to be engaged in kind of building the business as well, kind of taking over the helm as CEO. I would imagine it's a refreshing uh, change of pace and certainly to be able to find a company that you can do good through, but also that you can sort of take the take the shackles off of, of, of having to impress VC in that particular way is I'm sure also refreshing to the folks that were subject to that acquisition uh, at, at your hand. Refreshing is one thing. It's it's a lot harder work. <laughs> how it so is. specifically? Do you mind explaining oh, how, how it's a ton harder just for folks? I have, there's so much more respect for CEOs of startups across the country, you know, for, for all the years that I was an investor, you know, saying like, hey, you should really think about doing this, cut your burn rate, you know, uh, you should really focus on this. There's always great advice from the board, but at the end of the day, like, um, uh, the rubber hits the road with the CEO and the executives that are, you know, caring and feeding for people and thinking about direction, working without imperfect, with imperfect information, trying to make decisions. It is just a, it is a whirlwind. It's been most invigorating, but I wouldn't say refreshing. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a lot of fun, but it's, it, uh, 
yeah, it's just it's just a different job, and it's it's uh, uh, much more more exciting. Got it. Well, maybe if I could ask for a little more detail in one dimension, what are some of those like hard decisions or maybe like difficult questions that you've had to endure uh, now as part of this as being a startup CEO that maybe you didn't expect or that maybe folks wouldn't think about? Yeah, I, I think whenever uh, you take over a company like this that has a lot of muscle memory, the hard part is just sort of changing the psychology and culture. Um, most important is to is to focus on culture and values within the company, uh, and get sort of reengagement onto sort of a different set of, of values. So that was number one, um, uh, and uh, we started doing that by focusing on the customer and implementing MPS and implementing voice of the customer in every one of our exec meetings, so that we were attuned and focused on the customer. Ultimately, that was. Um, liberating for the company. They all, all wanted to do that anyway. And I think that was um, step step number one. Number two is making some of the hard decisions. Uh, one example is we were in retail stores and it was great to say Nature Box is at Safeway and Target and a few others. But when we looked at those relationships and we did the economics, we we're completely upside down. We're just spending money to, to, to have revenue. And that was not satisfying. So we had to make a hard call to kind of pull back from some of those retail uh, establishments and just focus on our direct-to-consumer business while we grew our B2B business, our corporate snacking business. That meant, you know, um, uh, letting some folks go. It meant um, kind of letting your ego go and say, like, you know, to say, say to people, you're not really in, you know, in some retail establishments. But um, those decisions really kind of had to be made. And uh, after you get through it and the team that's that's with you as you go through it, um, you know, we're all feeling so much better, almost relieved after you make those hard decisions. They become a sense of relief after you do it and you start executing. Yeah, there's always that that uh, nice denouement after the tough decisions have to be made. And of course, it's nice on the other side to then find that the team that you've built is aligned with your values and the values of, of why you became, uh, you know, interrelated with NatureBox. It's on the question of values that uh, that my next question is based because, you know, that's certainly um, a deciding factor in the product that you provide to your consumers, to the businesses that you cater to. And in particular, what I thought was interesting was not just the healthy, better for you snacking, but the the introduction and inclusion of, of CBD into that. Now, when I think about CBD and, and, and cannabis space generally, and folks, you know, we've had one interview on this topic with Cureleaf. It's been in just like the CBD product itself, like an, like an oil or a cream or something like that. But you're doing it within food, which I think is really interesting. Can you explain why CBD and does that relate to values that you hold? Yeah, so interesting. I would say that uh, the journey kind of started out with a plant extract ingredient called CBD. But we think of CBD as just a, a genre of an adaptogen. Not a lot of people know what an adaptogen, but it's, this, it's a plant extract that basically helps your stress response um, and have been known to help your stress response. It's more known in supplements, but uh, things like ashwagandha that come from India or maca that comes from you know 15,000 feet altitudes of Peru um, or moringa, uh, some of these other ingredients are really sort of uh, the kind of ingredients that bring... Uh, ability for the body to regulate stress. So for example, if you uh, were to take ashwagandha 
uh, in a cookie that we have. Uh, if your cortisol levels are too high, having some ashwagandha actually can lower your cortisol levels. But unlike a drug, if your cortisol levels are too low, ashwagandha actually might help you upregulate your cortisol levels when you need them. So it kind of creates this balance and actually reduces stress in the body. So how did we get to there, though? was through CBD. You're right. So um, uh, it is, it's a short story where my daughter, when she was a baby, I have three kids. My second daughter, when she was a baby, she was considered colicky. Uh, the receptor cells in her body were sensitive, according to the doctors, but we never could really quite figure out why. When she got into middle school, in high school, she started suffering from headaches, which turned into migraines. Still, hundreds of doctors really could never figure out why. She was in college. She had a week-long migraine. And she called up and said, you know, can I just come home and de-stress? So she came home one weekend. My wife was actually gone. Uh, and as a dad, I was going to like, I was going to solve this problem for her. And a friend of ours said, you ought to try CBD. It's just a hemp extract. There's no THC in it. And so I bought a tincture of this uh, product in two drops under her tongue. You know, her mother didn't know about this because she was out of town. Yeah, sure. Uh, right. Yeah. When she uh, literally like an hour later, Adam, her headache was gone. And I was like, holy mackerel. Like that's insane. Like what, what happened? So I started understanding the body's endocannabinoid system and how we create our own endocannabinoids and uh, how stress is uh, delivered. I've always meditated and always wondered like, why does meditation really help us relieve stress? Uh, because it balances the body, right? It, it uh, lowers your cortisol levels and it brings you kind of into this balance. And so I said, well, what is health? And what is the, what does a, a healthy snack really mean? Health is really about creating balance like in your body. Uh, your body's always trying to create balance, whether you have too much serotonin in your body or you have uh, too much cortisol, your body's always trying to balance itself out. And typically bodies that can balance themselves out very quickly uh, have a stress response and that's like considered healthy. So long story short is I went to our VP of marketing and I said, listen, I have this new idea for CBD infused snack. And they thought I was completely smoking dope. <laughs> like, yeah, like, right. Yeah. The other side of it. <laughs> John, we're a better for you snack company. Come on. Like, that's insane. I said, listen, let's just, let's, we found, we found a, a, a co-packer vendor that uh, did fruit chews. And so we said, listen, we can create these fruit chews, but we, we actually used data to figure out whether there was demand for this. And so we basically uh, merchandised on our site, three flavors of fruit chews. And we sent out an email to uh, 2% of our 2 million consumer email base and said, like, you know, tell your best buds about our CBD fruit shoes and are you interested in buying it? Get on the wait list. Literally, I walked in the next day and uh, the, the hand was waving over my VP of marketing. I walked over to her desk and she said, our site traffic just doubled overnight. I said, wow. wow. The email went viral and a thousand people have just signed up for this product. So um, that was clear to us that there's demand and interest in this product. Uh, what is the, what is now shifted? And that was about six to nine months ago. What is now shifted from that is the idea of snacking with these functional ingredients, these like hidden gems of adaptogens that are plant extracts that could really, really reduce stress in your body. So uh, we are now sort of on this mission to have better for you snacks, healthy ingredients. You know, we don't have any MSG, uh, no hydrogenated oils, all this stuff, no crap in our products. But we also may be able to deliver a functional benefit where we can reduce stress from in, from inside out. 
And that's sort of our new mission. We're in this process now to kind of delivering that, listen to our customers. Do they really care about this stuff? You know, who cares about it? Who do we tap into? All that stuff. To approach health holistically as opposed to just via one, you know, one thing, I suppose. Just, I mean, that that's that's a really nice way to look at it. Again, thinking about the balance. And uh, I mean, hey, viral email never hurts. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's good. So we consider ourselves sort of data driven, but mission, our purpose is to, you know, help people reduce stress through functional ingredients. And as opposed to like, we wake up every day, Adam, and like we brush our teeth and we kind of think about the next thought that's going on with our lives. And we kind of run unconsciously for 99% of the time, most of our days, automatic pilot. When our bodies kind of get into stress mode, they grab food and we, we want to eat food uh, because we're stressed out. So our belief is that how do we create sort of more mindful snacking where when you grab that ingredient, it still is going to be the peanut butter cookie, but it, you know, have like, you know, natural ingredients, but it may actually have maca in it that can actually help you reduce the cortisol levels in your body. That was, that would be amazing, right? So you can still get the amazing taste. You can still satisfy the need for that indulgent snack, but actually could have some conscious benefit to help your health not just your weight loss or whatever for, you know, because of the amount of sugar in it, but also maybe it can help you reduce stress in your body right. and help you mentally. Yep. So we're, we're excited about that mission and, and uh, trying to get the word out and, and, and get that out. Well, for sure. And when it comes to getting that word out, of course, it sounds like it was a nice initial tactic to do so. And by the way, a really nice personal connection to the brand and, and, and wonderful that, uh, that, that, the CBD really worked out for your daughter and that you've been able to turn it into a part of the business. Um, my, my next question is, is around folks who might find themselves on a similar path because it sounds like you had, and we're talking specifically about CBD, but across anything that provides that holistic health benefit, plenty of people who are likely turning the nature box and seeing that the snacking that they used to do that was really harming them is now not so bad. And it, it, if it's as light as not so bad and as, and as heavy as, you know, world changing or day changing or whatever, there's plenty of stories out there to be telling. You've told one very personal to you right here on this show. I'm curious from a brand perspective, how you harness all the other stories that are undoubtedly being told and created by your consumers and maybe how you share those out too. Yeah. So, um, I would say, uh, so one of the, uh, companies that I invested in when I was the VC was a company called Delighted, which is an NPS, simple NPS sort of a dashboard. And so uh, that is a, a really key thread for us. We're constantly monitoring our NPS, but we always are every single day are getting feedback from our customers. And so um, we're listening and being able to have this dashboard as a CEO, I could pull up and see how's my NPS trending today. Uh, how's it trend over the last 30 days and who are some customers I could reach out to. And so within the tool, I can actually email my customers and get back to them. And it's a, it's a, something that we see across the board with all of our, um, uh, our employees. So then it, the goal is to take those, those, the, those, uh, those messages and that feedback and that direct one-to-one connection with our consumers and, you know, feed that back out to the community. So, you know, we are in process right now of, of, of taking, you know, the good sentiments and trying to, you know, have them republished um, and communicated out to other consumers. 
uh, through reviews. Um, and we're looking, trying to find new ways in which to do that. Um, we used to have these terrible, you know, uh, public review um, uh, comments on, you know, public sites. And we basically just harnessed our community that really loves us and asked them to help out. And so this whole idea of advocacy community building uh, is something that we're really, really in tune with. We still have a lot more work to do there, though, Adam. It's like, um, you know, we've been focused on our corporate business and sharing the love and the words from our, our great customers are giving us great high, high praise. And now we're shifting to kind of launching and relaunching and really focusing on our consumer side of the business. Uh, we're doing that in the middle of this whole COVID thing. Um, and so uh, we're excited about continuing to kind of push the envelope and get better ideas on how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, it's it's good to know that you use some of those stories and that you obviously leverage your, your vast consumer base in order to help frame a, a, a dialogue and to, to frame the way that you market. That's obviously very important. I would say, Adam, it also is like on the build side. So one of the things that's really cool about like we're uh, wanting to launch some um, uh, protein bars or just, you know, some some uh, meal replacement bars, a nature box way. So we always knew we wanted the clean ingredients, but we just didn't know what the consumers wanted. And so uh, we literally, like within a day, we could send out a survey to, you know, 10,000 uh, consumers uh, and get, you know, you know, hundreds of responses. And very quickly, we recognize what people really care about, what they want. Sometimes they don't know what they want, you know, like, so you have to lead customers to new innovation, but uh, you can tell what they don't like. <laughs> and that really helps inform what we build uh, Real time. So using that data, using the customer voice to actually inform uh, the products that we're building is really important to us as well. So we're kind of this data-driven tech company, but we're in this old school food business, which is which is kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah. Good place to be disrupting as well. So let me round out with this. It's basically just an ask for advice. The folks that we have on this show are, are all about learning how to build better relationships with consumers, tell their stories in a more authentic way, and to build better brands through that lens. So for the folks that listen into this show who are seeking to do that either as sole proprietors or working all the way up to between the startups or Fortune 500, no matter where they are around the world, I'm curious to you, what would be some advice you would give them as to generally how to build a better or more authentic brand? I think it really kind of starts with the company values. And so uh, first of all, it's articulating what are those key values that you hold dear as a company um, and then communicating it internally and then communicating those values out to uh, customers as well. And then I think it's also, but more importantly, people say that all the time. You can get that out of a business school book, but I think what you don't get is you have to live those values and so living those values means telling the stories about customers that come to us, good or bad. What do they say? And we communicate that internally first, and then we figure out how to harness that to either, you know, propel us forward or, or not. If those values uh, are living values in our, in our business, so we believe that we actually want to, if we don't have enough stories around like how we're respecting our customers or how we're having radical candor, within our company, then we're going to change those values. They have to be living sort of stories that breathe. And when what's fascinating though, is when you tell the stories and you engage the, the company itself internally first, uh, they start living those values themselves. So the communication, the ability to, to, uh, to live those values, tell those stories. And um, uh, those are the, the things that actually 
uh, are the difference between sort of like, you know, someone putting down a bunch of stuff onto a PowerPoint slide and actually having a company that can actually drive and is, is uh, living that. Well, I mean, this is fantastic advice from you and specifically with your perspective of having seen a whole bunch of companies and overseen organizations investing in them over all these years to now be personally invested into a company like Naturebox, obviously with such a personal connection into part of the innovation that you're doing. Uh, it's been wonderful to learn from you, to talk from, to talk with you uh, and to just see, what, uh, see what's ahead for Naturebox and for you. So for all that, John, thanks so much for coming on the show today. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was great to be on. Thank you so much to John Acapinti from Naturebox for joining the show today. I gotta get my boss to start sending me some snacks. If you enjoyed this show, here's what you can do. Follow us on LinkedIn. We got a page there, Authentic Influence Podcast. It's where shows go, other little interesting snippets. It's generally our content hub alongside our website, podcast.vavoom.co. Of course, I'm also on LinkedIn and you can connect with me, send me a message, tell me what you're liking about the show or what you're not liking, and give me suggestions as to who should appear next. I'll be back again real, real soon with another fantastic episode detailing how a brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic each and every day. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.